We're going to be in Acts chapter 1 this morning, if you want to turn there. As we kind of take one one last look at the ascension before uh, probably pushing forward into the book of Acts a little bit more and looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so, uh, certainly open to the Lord going other directions, but that's probably what we're going to keep doing is just kind of following the timeline a little bit. Um, and uh, so this morning, I want to I want us to look at uh, at the Jesus's final words to um, to his disciples and to us before he ascended into heaven, and kind of the, the significance behind those. You know, uh, I'm not sure how the disciples felt in that moment. And surely, I mean, he had equipped them and, and told them a lot by, by that point, but um, they had to be really confused for a bunch of reasons. Uh, it's just a, a strange turn of events. And they were probably, they had to be, at least sort of be thinking, man, we, we just got him back. You know, we just, we got him back 40 days ago. We watched him die and now he's back and, and, uh, and now he's going to go away. And that, that had to be a little bit confusing. And so his final words to them um, tell us a lot about why why he went on into heaven, um, because you know there's a there's a part a part of a lot of us, uh, and I'm I'm one of them that kind of looks at it and is like, well, you you brought the kingdom, you you accomplished the redemption you set out to accomplish, like it it's all it's done. You're you're risen. You have you're the first fruits of of those who are in Christ. Why? Why wait? Why go into heaven? Why leave them behind? It, it is a little a little confusing, but if you look at his his parting words, it kind of like packs in some information that's very important for us. And so, I want to read from uh, from Acts chapter one. Uh, this is one of one of the accounts, and so we're going to look at this passage and Matthew twenty eight and Luke twenty four. We're going to hop around in those different accounts of his last wording. Well, let's just read Acts 1 to kind of get our, our bearings. Verse 4 says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So that's the, that's the scene. And his parting words, uh, we see it in Acts 1, we see it in Matthew 28, we see it in Luke 24. And so what I want to do is kind of draw some themes from from those different passages. So I'm going to hop around a lot, and uh, this will be 
this will be kind of one of those kind of sermons. But I've, I, I really, I've tried to narrow it down to just four things. But I think there's a lot more than that. But here are four things that stand out as far as themes from his parting words. Uh, the first is, uh, I'll just use one word to sum them up. The first first word is presence. Um, here uh, it says in Matthew 28, verse 20, um, a part of his, his parting words, he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So uh, we've been talking a lot about the proximity of heaven and earth and how uh, heaven is is not something that's far away or you know way up there somewhere. That heaven heaven is is another realm that is uh, overlaps and interlocks with ours. That heaven and earth are very close to one another. And so when Jesus says, "I am with you always, even to the end of the age," he's, he's assuring that that his presence will be with them. And his presence will be with us, and so that's that's a part of the comfort that he's offering to them is that it seems like he's leaving, but he's not really leaving. He's 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 changing changing locations, changing different things, absolutely. But does that mean that he's left them? No. Does that mean that he's far away? No. Um, it says in Mark sixteen, Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. Um, his the, the proximity of heaven and earth is very important here. And so even in Acts 1.8, when he says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that, that the presence of God, the assured and promised presence of God, is one of the themes of his parting words. And so although whenever we say, when I say parting words, it sounds like someone is leaving and going somewhere else, uh, he's leaving them, but he's not leaving them in, in that sense. Um, and so that's a very important thing to keep in mind that that a part of what he's telling them as he's departing is is just I'm I'm going to cross into this new realm but I'm still going to be right here. I'm going to be as close as I have always been to you. And so for us as we are trying to process the ascension of Christ and all those things this is one more reassurance of the nearness and the presence of Jesus to us in this moment and in any moment that we face. Uh, that Jesus is not far away, but he is he is closer than we than we can ever realize. So the presence of God fills fills our space and uh, fills us as well. And so it's the presence of God not only not only with us but inside of us. And that's such an important distinction that if um, if 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 God is is with me, that 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 kind of has a feeling that He's like next next to me. And that's very comforting. Uh, like if someone is like, hey, I, I'm going to, you don't have to do that by yourself. I'm going to be with you. You tend to think, cool, they're going to be sitting next to me in, in, in that doctor's visit. Or they're going to be sitting next to me in court. Or, you know, it could be any sort of, of situation there with, with you. And so God is saying, I, I'm with you. But, but the language begins to change that there, there is an internalizing of God's presence as well. And so it's not only with, as in like next to your side, but it's in inside of you as far as an indwelling, and that all that language is about to to really take off, especially uh, with with Pentecost and everything that's coming up. And so that whole idea of presence, both with with us next to us and with us inside of us, are really important things that Jesus is is telling them that they may not understand right in the moment, but they will. Uh, before too long. So that's one is presence. And that really ties to the second one, which is empowerment. 
It's the, the second uh, theme. Um, Acts 1.8, he tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Luke 24.49, he says, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Matthew 28. Uh, 18, 19, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so go. So there's this, there's this authority of heaven that heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. He tells them, you are going to receive power. You're going to be clothed with power from on high. Um, so not, he's, not only, he's not only saying, I, I'm, I'm not only going to be with you, but now you're going to have access to something that is very that is very unique. That's something that you have not had access to up until this point. Um, this new kind of power is going to be inside of you and not just next to you. So when we think presence, we not we need not only think about um, like the God being present in that way, but also because of His presence comes the empowerment that they need. And so not only is his presence with them and in them, but his power is with them and in them. And so there's a, there's like a new a, a new thing that that's happening. And so it's not that it's not that I am powerful. It's that now I have access to the power of God. Like the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within me and dwells within you and dwells within us. And so when Jesus is is setting them up and for this ascension, he's like, hey, things are about to change, but it's changing in ways that, that are going to blow your mind. Uh, a part of that is is presence, but another part of that is this empowerment. And you see that you see that in the book of Acts when you're 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 reading the story and you're and you're just amazed that they're able to do these things that they saw Jesus do, but now they are the ones doing it. And it isn't because they are suddenly awesome at things. It's because now the power of God dwells within them. That when they are clothed with power from on high, that that is that resurrection power. That is speak creation into existence power. That's bind the devil and like cast demons out of Mary Magdalene power. Like that's it's all of those things that Jesus had been doing. He's telling them you're about to have that same power source inside of you. Which, which is not about you, it's about the goodness of God being generous with who he is, being generous with his own power and his own presence. And so uh, presence and empowerment fit together in such an important way. And those are two of the, the first two themes to draw out is he's telling them, yes, uh, things are about to change. But you're about to come alive because there's an empowerment that's going to come from my presence, not only being with you, but being inside of you. Uh, that will change everything about your life. And what they didn't know at the time is it's going to change the whole world. Um, that we are, we're here today on this live stream as, as a church, you know, trying to navigate our way through life, our, our lives connected to Christ because of what Jesus did in this moment. And so the ascension was setting some things into motion that were deeper and stronger than, than they had been able to realize. And so you might remember in, in John, I think it's in 17, where he, he tells the disciples, he says, you're going to do greater things than I have. And I always read that verse. I'm like, how in the, how in the world, how does that work? You know, And he's pointing forward to these kinds of things. Like Jesus is able to, he's one place at one time. And now that empowerment is going to all of his sons and his daughters. 
And so now the the work of God, the the power of God, the miracles of God, the the presence of however you want to think of it, all those things of God are now spreading exponentially throughout the world because he is sharing his power through his presence uh, with his people. It's a lot of words to start with P. I just realized that. So, uh, so those are the first two, presence and empowerment. And uh, you, we really have to be grounded in those in order to receive the next two, next two themes. Uh, so the third one, third one is mission. And that's probably what you were expecting when we're talking about the, the Great Commission and all those kinds of things. That's probably a part of it. But the Great Commission is really hard to digest if you don't understand presence and empowerment. Like those are, those are what's gra- we're grounded in the Lord. And so when he says, okay, with those things in mind, I, I now have something for you to do. Uh, the reason why I am going into heaven and sending the Spirit is because there's there is a a plan that is in place, and now your role in it is about to really take off. Um, and this is where this is where the, this comes from in Acts one eight. Uh, he says, "You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth." So there's something about being being a witness, like it's exactly what we think it is. It's giving an eyewitness testimony of I have. This is what I have seen. This is what I have experienced. Um, I have a firsthand knowledge of who Jesus is, and so um, he says, "You are you are going to be witnesses of these things. You are going to give a, you're going to give testimony about these things uh, throughout the world." Luke twenty four. He says it this way, starting in verse forty five. Says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, "Thus it's written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead." Here it is, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. That is is a part of of the mission, and so in Acts he it's summed up as saying, "You're my witnesses." In Luke. Um, it says that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. And so repentance and forgiveness of sins, that's what we're giving witness to. That's what we're, we're saying. Um, this, this Jesus has invited us to, to turn and to change our lives, to change our thinking, to, uh, to, to change kingdoms. And he's forgiven us so that we can be free to live in, in that kingdom. We're eyewitnesses of those things. That, that that is a part of why he is leaving them behind and why he is going into heaven is so that that message can be proclaimed uh, throughout the nations. Um, and in Matthew 28, this is, this is the, where the, it's called the Great Commission. Um, in verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So when he says make disciples, that's another way of saying be my witnesses and another way of saying that repentance and forgiveness would be proclaimed among the nations. Uh, making disciples, that's, a, that's kind of one of those like churchy like, terms that is easy to, to throw around. And I don't, I don't mean to make light of it, but um, it's easy to say that and assume that everyone is thinking the same thing. But he really explains it uh, the emphasis is on make disciples, but he tells them what the, the two components of that one baptizing them and two teaching them. So making disciples, 
how we're witnessing and proclaiming uh, the forgiveness and repentance of, of sins is that we are uh, we're baptizing and we're teaching. So baptizing, like that's the that indicates that that conversion moment that you know that 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 transformation when you cross from death into life. Um, to be baptized in the waters is to identify with Christ, and and that's an, that's indicating that there's an inward transformation that has happened, and you're just expressing that by getting into the waters, and you're and you're going through this this uh, rep, this representation um, that all all Christians have gone through as identifying with Christ. But what you're saying is, I am I'm not the one I used to be. That when Jesus died, I also died, and when Jesus rose from the dead, I rose from the dead. And so, a part of making disciples, it, it it is it is that conversion. It's you need people to be resuscitated. You need them to go from being dead, dry bones in their souls to like to being a standing army, like it says in Ezekiel thirty six. Like that's 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 what we're going for. And so, that's a huge part of it. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, how many times do we see someone? They hear the gospel, they respond to it, they pray. Uh, they pray. They pray the prayer, and they, and they mean it. And they're like, "Okay, now what?" And you're like, "Well, I don't, I don't know. Go to Sunday school. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not really sure." So it, he's like, "You have to baptize them, but you, then you have to teach them." He says, "Teaching them to to observe all that I have commanded you. You have to. We have to be trained in the ways of Jesus. It's, we don't. It's not just downloaded into our our understanding. It's something that we learn how to do. It's." It's like learning a new language. It's like learning learning a new culture. It's like learning learning a a, a, a new relationship. There's so many different ways to think of it. And so he's like, you need to baptize them. Like they need they they have to be made alive, and then they have to be taught how to live, which is what Jesus had been doing for them. He says, everything I've done for you, you you will now pass that on. And so all of those things have to be encompassed together. And so the mission, it, it doesn't matter how it's best to, for you to think of it. You can think of it at, like in the first passage of go be my witnesses. Second passage, that, that repentance and forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to the nations. Or you can think of it the third way. I'm going to go make disciples by baptizing and teaching. That's, that, that is the mission that he is handing over to them. That, 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 that is the good news that is being proclaimed is that there's a new way of life. That the life that you are born into is not the only one. That the busted, broken, just dumb world that we live in is is not all that there is. Um, it feels that way. It looks that way. And some people just they just refuse to even be open to the fact that there is another way. Um, but then when you start to think about it and you look around and you're like, there has to be more than this, right? Like. That's such a, a theme of human history is is people coming to a point where they they are recognizing this something has gone wrong here, and unfortunately some some find a solution in in some some kind of other religion. Some people find a solution in substance abuse of some sort. Some find it in some form of idolatry, um, and some come into the light and realize that Jesus has been telling us this the whole time, and so. To be to be baptized and to be taught, uh, that is the mission that we're all handed handed to. And so, uh, I heard it said one time that that the gospel the gospel comes to you on its way to someone else. And to think about it, and it's humbling to be in, to be here with all these people today, and to think we're reading this we're reading this text, 
And like, because they were faithful with it, we're alive in Christ in this moment. You know, like they, they didn't dismiss what Jesus was saying. They didn't shrug it off. They didn't say, well, that would be kind of awkward to bring it up. So, uh, they were faithful and they went and they made disciples. They baptized and they taught and they proclaimed all these things to the nations and they were his witnesses. And that, that had this effect of spreading out all around the world. It's like Gracie and Sophie showed us with the, with the domino train a few minutes ago. Like that's, that's what's happened. And we're here because we're standing on the shoulders of those who have been faithful with the gospel all this time. Um, it's, it's just incredibly humbling to think about the gospel finding its way to me on its way to someone else. And I, I'm a part, I'm one of those dominoes in the chain and so are you. And so, um, you know, we've been, been, bringing in different community groups uh, by video just to hear some more voices and see some more faces. And so I threw a question to our, our two uh, Sherwood based community groups um, and, and asked them <clears throat> when the, how, how did the gospel come to you and who were some of the people that were instrumental in teaching you, teaching you the gospel in the first place or teaching you what it means to walk with Jesus and, and kind of what did that look like? Because we say discipleship and that like, it's kind of an umbrella term that encompasses a lot of things. And so I threw it to the, to those two groups and we got a couple of responses. And so let's, let's hear how they explain this process of the gospel coming to them on its way to somebody else. Someone who discipled me as an adult was Mrs. Dean Moore. She was one of the charter members of Sherwood Baptist church And when Brett and I came to Sherwood in our mid-twenties, she was the church secretary and the WMU director. And she was the one that got me involved in the Women's Missionary Union and taught about service and ministry and missions. And through my adult life, I continue to look back at her example that she gave when I was a young adult and use it even today to remember how to serve and how to minister to others. I'm not thinking about how the gospel came to me. I feel like there are a lot of factors um, all throughout my life, but one specifically is around the time when I got saved in high school. Um, I had some friends that I played softball with talk about this girl at this church. Her name was Christy. They're like, oh, you got to meet her. She's awesome, whatever. So um, I met her and that kind of thing. And I just saw something about her that I wanted. Um, she, It was just Jesus. It was, it was Jesus in her. And so that was like a huge factor in how I got saved. Um, and then with discipleship, I really can't even have a discipleship conversation without bringing up the college community group. Um, and so Josh and Meg have been like primary disciplers in my life, uh, as well as Cameron Klein Favela. We met weekly and then every other week for a year and a half when I was in college. Um, and sitting across the table from her at CC's taught me how to process with the Lord on my own. So I would bring her, oh, I need this, or I can't figure this out, or I'm asking the Lord for this. Um, and she can give me a list and a plan or like some comfort and that kind of thing. And then that taught me how to do all those things with the Lord. So then by the end, I would bring to the table, Jesus taught me this, and I think this is going on. And um, I carry so much of that experience with me in discipleship relationships now, not only at work, but personally in church and things like that. There have been many folks throughout the years that had had influence on my life. My parents were, of course, my biggest influence on my life as they led, uh, led me to the Lord through their faith in that in Jesus Christ and and then over the years there's just been a lot of men I could think back Charlie Hutto uh, Bob Torrance and 
there's two other men I tried to think about, and I can't remember their names, but you know they were uh, Navy SEALs in Vietnam, and when they came back from the war, they get there, came to know the Lord, and they took us, to, uh, young men, to the juvenile detention center there in uh, Harvey and to share the gospel message. And those two men, I just uh, think about them often and, and their love they have for the Lord. I was in my late 20s after making a mess of things. A pastor's wife counselor named Leha Spinoza um, was ministering to me and she said because I had been kind of dabbling in prayer but also just living the way that I had been you know kind of wilding out for a while she said that I could not continue to walk the line with one foot in Christianity and one foot in the world and that I needed to make a choice who I was going to serve, whether it was going to be God or the world, Satan. And she said, pick. And so I did. And that was in 2007 and began my journey with Jesus. So Leah taught me a lot. Um, in the beginning, I was with her once a week for a long time. She taught me to just read the Bible. And if something like caught me and evoked um, something in me, that it was likely that the Lord was speaking something personally to me. She taught me to sing whenever I was severely depressed. Taylor Vernon taught me a lot about um, that all of life is spiritual. It's not just the moments where I'm reading the Bible, but it is making a meal or taking a walk, um, spending time with a friend, that every part of life is spiritual. Um, he taught me a lot about grace and um, just the gentleness of God and the kindness of God. And sitting under Josh and just showing up and being around people um, there's just, everybody plays such a part and a piece of a puzzle because everybody has like such um, unique roles. People just bringing you a meal or um, being there for you. It's just, it's all part of it. It's all part of discipleship. And so, you know, they all, they said it so well. And I asked him in the question, I said, I want you to name some names. Because I think it's such a helpful part of our history to to recognize those people who are faithful with us. And then we become those, we become that figure for someone else. And so something that, to keep in mind with all of this is that the the gospel is something that, that comes, it comes to you in person. Like Jesus came from heaven to bring the gospel to us. 
it's it's delivered through relationship it's delivered person to person and there are there are are plenty of of stories of of people coming to know Christ in in other kinds of ways but the majority of the time the gospel is from one person telling it to another person that's how it's transferred um and so uh we're making disciples as we go there's that <clears throat> that's an important thing about this this mission is that it's uh you know some people they'll get they'll get picky about the original language here and they're saying well is Jesus saying to go or is he saying as as you go make disciples is it you know which which one is it and um most greek greek scholars they're like well this this particular wording could go either way and so maybe he used it on purpose you know like maybe it is an instruction to go, but also as you are living your lives, you're naturally discipling others. And what that does is it, it reminds us that, that we are constantly, we're constantly playing two, two roles. We're, we're a student who's learning, like we're continuing to learn. No matter how, how long you've walked with the Lord, you're, you're always like learning more about Him and what it means to trust Him, to follow Him. And, um, the Bible is this beautifully alive document that that just is constantly producing new things. It's incredible. Um, so we're always students, but we're also always we're teachers. We're to use to use their terminology. We're, we're you're a rabbi. I'm a rabbi, um, and so uh, I am I am making disciples like a rabbi does, and I, I I am a disciple, learning from other rabbis and from the rabbi. And so we're we're both teacher and student. Let's let's use those terms all the time. And so I want to ask uh, my friends here this morning um, for for you what what do you um, what's easier to forget that you're a student who's learning or that you're a, a teacher who is showing others what it looks like to follow Christ. And then what what does God use to kind of snap you back into reality? So what's easier to forget, student or teacher? And then how does God kind of get you back into that mode of realizing that you're both? It's easier for me to forget that I'm the teacher, I think, even though I'm on staff at a church, which might make people feel weird. But I think because I'm still, most of the time, I'm still so shocked that I get to do it. Um, So whether it's my vocational calling or just that I'm a part of the priesthood of believers and am called to carry the message out, it just still is shocking to me um, in a good way. And so the thing that snaps me out of it, I think, you know, obviously being on Sabbath at church is a big part of that, but I can't be a teacher unless I'm constantly being a student. And so I think the more, the more I'm aware of just, it's like a cycle. The more I'm aware that I'm a student, it reminds me that I'm called to teach and pass it on. And then I can't do that unless I'm also being a student. So it kind of snaps me back into the good rhythm of the cycle. I would venture to say that most of us in this room would probably, or most of us wherever, are, are it's easy to forget that we're teachers for, or for me. My mind jumps to that immediately. Um, I feel like I'm always a student of almost everything I do, so it's very easy for me to go to that. But uh, what snaps you back to that is... is is conversations with friends or, or things or maybe situations they've gone through and uh, talking with them and like you or they'll say to me like you helped me through this or you did this or showed me this and, and in the meantime like it was just natural right like we said it just naturally happens but uh, and it's after the fact you're like it kind of snapped me back like man I, 
I do do this sometimes. I do. So I do this sometimes. Um, so it's it's very hard. It, my mind doesn't automatically gravitate to that. Like here's a situation. Let me be the rabbi. You know, maybe for certain ones, but most of the time it's it's definitely after the fact. Yeah. I think for me, most of the roles that I play, like forgetting to be the teacher or the leader or whatever, is. Um, you know, more so than the student. I think here it's easier for me to, to want to be the student because I feel like I can, like, I just, y'all are just so much more knowledgeable. That's how I feel, you know? But um, the thing that snaps me back into it is, like, golly, I have children, you know? Like, I have to, like Meg said, I have to learn in order to teach my children about God and mostly through my actions but um, it's kind of a slap in the face when you realize I, I literally just said that out loud in front of my kids you know like oh so I'd say definitely the leader and you know even being in this role I I'd much rather would take a back seat than be up front just because there's just more vulnerability and more spotlight on you and you know if you make mistakes there's you know, sad to say there's judgment and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's good. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to circle back to that mistake thing. But uh, for me, um, you know, forgetting just doesn't take effort. So it, it happens in both. And, and it's real easy for that to happen. And, I, you know, we use the word more naturally. I'm, I am a natural student. You know, so that just kind of stays more consistent in that way. Because I, you know, I desire to know, but then I realize, like, well, why do I want to know this? Well, it's because I want to help this person, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. so it falls into the teacher side of it. And I think, you know, when I, when I get woken up from the forgetfulness, it's just like reality. You know, when you, when, when you're wrong or don't know something, and you run into it, you realize it all of a sudden, and it's there. And so it's, and that's where you know the making mistake thing. It's basically. You know, we have this gift where we can be wrong, mm-hmm. we can make a mistake, and because of who our rabbi is, you know, it's okay, yeah. and, and that's 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 a gift actually, because mm-hmm. then we can find out what we need to find out and, and go forward. So you know, forgetting is a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and it's you know the and this came a, a few times. It's like they they fuel one another, they feed one another, and so you're. Every good rabbi is always trying to learn, you know, and it equips you to, 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 to do that. And so, you know, we probably all had those teachers through our educations who kind of thought that they had arrived and they knew everything. And then you had the teachers who were going to like continuing ed conferences and they were like reading new articles and they're like, they're, they're trying to grow in their field. And, um, however, it's helpful to think about it and, it doesn't really matter. We we have to embrace the fact that we are we are student and we are teacher, and every good teacher just points to greater teachers. And so, uh, even 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 in the Jewish culture, every good rabbi points to like greater rabbis than him. Like that's just kind of how it works. And so, you can be you can be a, a teacher without being the like capital T teacher. You know that's what that's what we do. And so whether it's with whether it's with your kids or with your neighbors or your coworkers or your friends or it doesn't really matter the context, uh, they 
in, in your relationship to them, they need to see that you are all, always learning and they need to see that you're always modeling. Like it's, it's both of those things. And so whatever, whatever your natural, like Taylor said, whatever's more natural for you may, we have to make sure that they're both present because that's the mission that he's handed over to us. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to empower you to go and to do these things. And so you can do both. Uh, none of us has arrived to where to the point we don't need to learn. And every single one of us is 100% empowered and capable to, to teach others what it means to follow Christ through our actions and through our words and anything else, however you want to think about it. And so that's, that's the, the mission that has been entrusted to us. So think of it this way. At this point in the, in the timeline, Jesus, he's taking care of redemption. Eternity is secure. He's like, I'm going to go into heaven. I'm going to go into the control room and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to guide things along to get this to everybody. Uh, so we're no longer having to secure our future. Our future is secured. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now it becomes, uh, how are people going to know this? How, how, how are we going to bring this to them in person the way that Jesus did? Which takes me to the, to the last point. The last theme is, is the all inclusiveness. I just wrote the word everyone. It's completely inclusive. Um, here's some examples in the acts one, acts one, eight, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria to the, and to the ends of the earth. If you look on a map, that starts where they are and it goes outward this way. That's what he's saying. Uh, Luke twenty four forty seven. Now repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Same idea. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Go therefore make disciples of all nations. Um, the the nations hearing the gospel. That's that's the mission. Uh, his, his goal was not to be like, let's just make this a really like Jerusalem centered thing. Let's just make sure all the, all the Jewish community knows that I'm, I'm the Messiah and let's just forsake all the Gentile nations. Don't worry about them. Uh, no, he, he came so that the nations would know him, that every tribe, every tongue, every, everyone like literally with no exceptions. And so his strategy for reaching the nations is what we see right here. He's like, okay, here's the plan. You're going to go, and as you go, you're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize people, and you're going to teach them. And uh, what that will do is that such a perfect, like the domino tree, so such a perfect thing that Gracie and Sophie brought to us. It's just going to go from this moment that we're reading about, and it's going to scatter out. And when we read the book of Acts, and when we get to Pentecost pretty soon, that's exactly what happens. He sets it into motion right here. And so... Um, for us, we have to, as I kind of bring things together, we have to, to recognize that presence and that empowerment. He hands us this mission, and there, you won't find anyone who uh, is, is not a, in the target demographic for this mission. You know, this is not just about certain kinds of people, people who look a certain way or live in a certain place or anything like that. This is for, for the nations. Um, and so, again, I wanted to kind of ask these folks here, like when you think about it in, in those terms, uh, just if, if, you, if you have a, when you think about people who don't know Jesus yet, uh, is there a particular group of people or part of the world or a certain situation that just tends to weigh heavy on your heart? Um, when you think about people just being, being spiritually dead, being lost, 
uh, however, whatever term you want to use. Is there anyone that just especially weighs on your heart when we're thinking, all right, the gospel's for everyone, all the nations. Is there anyone who comes to mind that you're like especially burdened for? Anyone who, this is pretty broad, but just anyone who hasn't experienced or been told that they're loved. So just that idea of feeling unloved or unworthy of love. And then the other category would just be people that have been blatantly lied to. So I think about, um, I don't know, other countries or lied to by the enemy, you know, maybe, but even just have been directly lied to about where hope lies and who the Redeemer is. I had so many different groups come to mind when I thought about it. It's almost hard to like narrow it down. Yeah. And But a lot of the groups, I think, fall under this umbrella of like, it's like the Jews in Jesus' time are so focused on tradition and walking through these steps and they're missing out on the meat yeah. of their religion. And I feel like in our country, or in most countries really, it's the same situation. Like so many people are focused on the tradition and nationalism and whatever talking points, whatever news channels are telling them. And they're just focused on these minor things that may kind of loosely relate to Jesus, um, but they're missing out on the meat of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you even, you know, get past that wall? I feel like that's like a constant barrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like, again, there could be multiple groups, but the one that's like the heaviest is and not growing up in church it's made it different for me but seeing like people who do grow up in church and you know they may know of Jesus but they don't Mm -hmm. know Jesus and just that it's like that difference in being a a nominal Christian because that's just your culture and that's what you learn growing up and then the difference in that and actually being like this student of Jesus who wants to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and to go into the whole thing everything you just talked about you, know, you have to be that kind of person to do that and I think it, you know, it touches on what Meg said there's this intimacy of knowing that you're the beloved of this this man who is God and that he uh, it's just easy to keep those people in my mind and to pray for them and to want to be with them mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and the thing is like wherever your burden lies um, and mine, mine fluctuates a lot you know but um Whenever you are burdened, that's who Jesus left you here for. Like that's He left us behind, yes, uh, for for them, like for their sake. Um, and so, like the the people around you, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, like the people who don't know Him, that's that's on the list of reasons why Jesus went into heaven without us, left us here, empowered, you know, with His presence with a clear mission, with everything that we need. Um, but that's a part of why we're here is for them. Um, when you when you see th- those reports of places in the world where uh, Bibles have not made it there yet, and Christianity ha- is such a small presence, um, you read about those like closed countries where uh, missionaries, Christian missionaries are not allowed to go, that kind of thing. That's, that's part of why we're here. Um, the the social media people who we we follow them or they're celebrities or they're like whatever however you want to think of it in those terms like if they don't know him that's part of why we're here uh like every 
you, you name it. You come up with someone who doesn't know who Jesus is, and they are a reason why uh, Jesus is, has left us here and why he has not come back yet. Um, and, and so until his return, that's, this is a part of our mission. And so should we be investing in discipling our kids? hundred percent. Should we, uh, be growing deeper in community and learning as students? Absolutely. Should we be letting that what we're learning fuel us as teachers? Absolutely. Um, all that has to press though in, into those lives who don't know him as well. It's so easy for us to just spend our existence in 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 the in a community where everyone knows who Jesus is, and we're going to grow, we're going to love each other, and all those kind of things. And it's so important. Uh, that's a part of what Jesus left us here for. It's not the whole picture, though. Um, it's for those who don't know. And so, for us, uh, you know, we we have to pull all these things together and recognize He's with me. He's empowering me. He's giving me a mission. And he's put people in my life who don't know him. Uh, and he's put me in their life. Like the gospel has come to me on its way to them. With my words, with my actions, with my presence, with my kindness, with all, all the ways that I'm able to model for them uh, who Jesus is. And we, so if you think of it, Christian community is a lot about being the student. And then our lives among those who don't know him is a lot about being the teacher. And so it's that steady rhythm. And so right now, all of our rhythms have been like messed up because of, of COVID, you know, because we're, we're not around the Christian community like in, in person as, like we were. And a lot of ways, we're not around those who don't know him very much like, like we were. But all that's about to change, you know, like we're, we're in faith. We're reopening one phase at a time, you know. And, and so we're headed back into times when all those relationships are going to start to to pick up again and you'll get to be around people again and all that. And so for us to have this in mind, the ascended Christ is not, is not only for the benefit of us to know that he's ruling and he's reigning and he's interceding for us and all those things we've been talking about. It's also for those who don't know him, for the, for the, the people that you interact with consistently, those relationships that God has given you and given me. And so as we prepare to re-enter, I know there seem like there's so many things to figure out and to pray about, but it seems like one of them needs to be when those relationships resume, am I, am I being a faithful student who can then be a faithful teacher who then wants to learn more so that you, I can teach more like, will that, will that loop, uh, like that self-perpetuating loop, will that work its way through our lives in, in a way that we're consistent with what Jesus had in mind? So when he said, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to go do this. You do this. Uh, we're still doing that thing. And they were faithful. And uh, what, wouldn't it be great to be a part of someone's story, you know, to say, this is how the gospel got to me because this, this person was faithful. And um, so with all that, that in mind, you know, I know it's a lot. It's kind of drinking from a fire hydrant today. And I, I can always tell because I talk really fast. I'm like, I have so many words to get through. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Uh, but really wanted to, to capture that before we get into Pentecost because that is when we start to see what it looks like set into motion in a way that's really unique and really beautiful. But can we just be blessed today to know, to know that he's, he says, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you all the power that you need to go on this mission uh, to take the gospel to the nations. 
And for us to sit in it and to feel the pressure of the nations is really hard. Uh, we don't need to feel pressure at all. We need to see the opportunity that we have to bring it to our neighbor. and Also to be a part of ministries that are taking it to the ends of the earth. So um, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, uh, I think it's two songs, if my memory serves correctly, to kind of just let us maybe sit in this a little bit, some of these themes before, uh, before we pray and we go today. So let me pray for us, and then I'll hand it, hand it over. Um, Father, uh, it's, of course, just so humbling to know that you have entrusted this to us. Um, to watch Jesus hand it over to these disciples who, um, I mean, they're asking questions in the moment that showed they still didn't really understand. But you knew, you knew that it would all change when the Spirit dwelled within them. And we can watch it happen in the book of Acts, and we've experienced it too, that when your presence begins to dwell within us, when we, when we came to know you, that things really did change. And so I'm so thankful that you haven't given up on us as teachers or as students, and that you are, you're the one that we look to to learn and to grow. And so I pray, God, that, that you would help us to... To, to get on board with your heart for this. You know, to, to really understand what Jesus was saying that day and to know the heart of Christ for the nations and for our neighbors and for everywhere in between. So uh, we just need help all the time getting on your page and staying on it. And so however that needs to work for us this morning and beyond, I pray that you help us to do that. Um, we love you father we love you so much and we're thankful we can't wait to be able to be around each other again um, i pray that you would just stir up these things in our hearts this morning so that we're whenever we are together uh, we're ready to hit the ground running we love you very much and i pray this in your name amen